When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, Brandon Harvey here with this week's episode of Sounds Good, the podcast where every single Monday I sit down with an inspiring person and talk about happiness, overcoming struggles, and living a life of intentionality and wonder. This week, I'm so excited to share part two of my conversation with Jason Russell. If you haven't listened to part one yet, pause this right now and go listen. You're not going to want to miss it. For a brief refresher, because it's been a week, Jason is the co-founder of Invisible Children and just a general creative genius. He's got a great heart and a lifetime of fantastic stories. And I'm so excited for you to hear the second half of this conversation because it's so wise, so fun. So let's just jump straight into it. So maybe let's back up a little bit. And so you create this movement of people, of millennials, who are aware of what's going on in this supposedly random country in Africa. They're like... like, Random like three countries. Yeah, 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 like nobody... Like nobody else is paying attention, but you've got this entire generation, this community of people who are like, okay, I know what this is. I'm passionate about this. And you guys decided to bring it mainstream. Yeah. Essentially. Right. With Coney 2012. Right. And that was really birthed out of a sense of frustration and anger at needing to tell the story again. Because in my mind, we had made so many movies and done so many events. And like the movie I made right before Coney 2012 is called Tony. And I felt like it was the best movie. Like there's no way we could tell it better. It, it, and if you watch it, it's like great, but it only has like 10,000 views. <laughs> wow. But I, I mean, this movie is awesome. And then right after we made it, like the team was like, okay, you have to make another one called Coney 2012. And I was like, I we've already told the story. Like I've already had Jake, Jacob's been in there crying in two other movies. Like I felt wrong in, yeah. in trying to, and having to do it again. This was our 11th movie. And so every day I'd go home and just be pissed and be like, kind of like, God, if you're real, you better show up. Like that kind of <laughs> threats, you know, when you get to that yep. spot, you're just so frustrated. And so that movie was actually kind of made out of like, let me break it down for you as clearly as I can. And I think a lot of that kind of frustration is what made Coney 2012 the movie so good because there is not a frame I would change. It was a really good film. There's nothing in that movie that is incorrect. When people say it's so simple, I say thank you because it's a very complicated issue. And if you want to read about the complexities... You can. There's a lot out there. Absolutely. But this movie was to capture you. I wanted it to grab your collar, 
suck you to the like, computer screen and not look away. And so we literally, wa- we would watch it so many times and it had every six seconds you had to keep watching it. And if you click on it right now and put it anywhere in the video, it'll be hard for you to stop watching because mm. we designed it emotionally for you to not look away. And um, it was an experiment though. Like we had no idea it would work. And we did not think, no one could imagine no. what happened. Um, and it maybe explain what, what happened. happened. <laughs> for those who don't remember, and for a lot of people, this is maybe all that they know totally. of invisible children. So we, we put the movie out on March 5th of 2012. And our goal for that year was 500,000 views. That's what we had online and in our, our action kits. I was kind of pissed at the team because I said, 500,000 views, that's a lot. Why can't it be 4 million views for the year? So I'm fighting <laughs> with them. Like, yeah. come on, let's dream big. 4 million views. Well, <laughs> um, the first 24 hours, we had reached a million views. And we were like, what? And we celebrated. And we celebrated for like 20 minutes. Like I stood on the table and I was like, yeah, a million views. And then like every hour upon the hour after that was just the snowball. It was just like Man. a tsunami in which... Everyone was trying to get at you, like get to you and at you. And there was no way to take a breath um, in terms of like sleeping or saying no to things. And so for me, I just went on a speaking tour, um, did seven shows in L.A. Yeah. Like back to back to back to back to back and then flew on a red eye to New York, got out at 5 a.m. And I did like seven or eight shows there. I mean, Reuters, People Magazine, New York Times you know, cover today show on and on. So when you, when a human gets put into that kind of, uh, cluster of an energy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know how to explain it. Um, I can see why, um, Britney Spears shaved your head. I can see the pain that Lindsay Lohan said. I understand like how Justin Bieber is like, has these outbursts because you, know? you were answering for, all of the praise and all of the criticism and all of the attention about this film that you created. And in my optimistic, idealistic mind, I was only like, yay, everyone's like finding out and like people are so excited. You know, like in my mind, I'm like, oh, cool. Like everyone's going to get behind this because why wouldn't you get behind bringing like the number one indicted war criminal who's murdering children? Like, like who, who's on the other side of that? Like yeah. the scale is not an easy. Right. But, be, but I, so I didn't put into the equation at first, the cynicism and the hatred of self that our culture has. Break that down a little bit more. Cynicism and hatred of self. So let's just start with all the questions I had in those, you know, few days of interviews. Yeah. There were predominantly two questions, which at the core of how sick we are as a society, you can realize number one was how did you do this? Meaning how can how I do the same thing? <laughs> a video go viral. Yeah. This is what all the journalists wanted to know because they're thinking I need to know like that. That's their most curious question. Mm-hmm. How did you do this? We've been trying to do this. I, we've been trying, we've been trying to get mirrors on one show. I won't say who they're like, only 200,000 people watch our show and you're at 63 million views right now and growing every hour. A new, you know, so they're looking at me like, how? And then <laughs> the second question they asked was, where's the money? How's the money going? Money, 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 which I, I get, but money is a fiction. It's a tool 
that we actually created as a species, right? It is agnostic. It is not good. It is not bad. But they only wanted to know you are get, they thought you're getting rich off of this. Yeah. And that one thought stuck with me so hard. I ended up, you know, in a hotel room just crying, like weeping, thinking there are millions of people who think I'm getting wealthy off of injustice done to children after like that is the most diabolical thing ever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, really. If you break it down, like that's like worse than some of the politicians that are out there. You know Absolutely. What I'm like <laughs> you think I'm making money off of other. So that thought wouldn't be my mind. And all these little like conversations and things I, I shouldn't have gone on the internet, but I did. And I just saw like, you know, you'd go to one blog post and then, you'd see no joke, 600 comments and everyone's debating and everyone's like overwhelmed with cynicism. Yeah. Like dark sided, like character going straight after you as a person trying to like debunk your personal life, your identity, they're ripping apart. And the worst part is anytime that someone would call you and be like, I'm getting the true story. Like people would lie to me and say, I'm from the New York times. Hmm. And it was so quick. I talked to them. And then they'd spin something I said in an article and literally make me look like a monster. I'm not going to name like names, but it was just, yeah. I couldn't believe because they wanted clicks. Yeah. They wanted clicks and they wanted, and they knew that if you write an article on Coney, you're going to get so many clicks. And so everyone started to participate in the madness. And that, that's why you have millions of people who don't believe Obama was born in this country they think he's a Muslim. He's a Christian. You know what I'm saying? Like they actually believe that because mm-hmm. how do you get in front of something that's so untrue? Yeah. It's insane. Right. So that's what it's, what it literally brought me to insanity, which when I first read Steve Jobs words in an Apple store in college, they hit me so hard. Hmm. I literally stood there like start like struck and I had goosebumps up and down my spine. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules and they pay no attention to the status quo. You can glorify or vilify them, but the one thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some see them as crazy, we see genius because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. And I'm like, that's it. Like to, for me, at 21 years old, I was like, that is my existence. Like, and I just, so the irony or the paradox is like, I'm the crazy guy on the street, butt naked for all the wrong reasons. Like, really, <laughs> you know, when you're like, well, what was it for? No, it wasn't like, I wasn't, it's yeah. not like Mandela or Rosa Parks or all these other great people who went to like the crazy point, you know, it was just because I, um, lost my mind and I didn't know that your mind could betray you like that. And now when I see people on the streets talking to themselves, I'm like, it's real. They're really talking to, um, the voices in their head. Mm. I had that. Do you remember what it felt like at the time? It was really, so when you study like 
bipolar mania. So like the closest character that we might know is Homeland, Carrie. Like I empathize with how she navigates the world because Mm -hmm. there is such a thing where you have this like hyper focus and there's like this strong truth consciousness that comes out of you. And that's where I was at. And you have like four speech. So it was like so intense. I could not stop talking. Even if I wanted to, I had to like cover my mouth physically with my hand to stop. Wow. So my friend Bob Goff came over that morning. Um, It was like the ninth or 10th day of 2012. And because the world was both celebrating and um, throwing rocks at the campaign and at me, um, I felt responsible for, and I know this sounds insane, but I felt responsible for like trying to figure out what was next in terms of like the future of humanity. Yeah. That's how insane my megalomania ego was, you know, it was just like totally off the charts. And so I was like, Bob Goff, come over and let's figure it out. And he knew right away, like, he's not okay. And he sat down, like, let's sit down on the kitchen floor. Let's talk about your wife. Like, how are you and your wife? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, we have to solve, you know, global justice. Like, all these big things. And like, um, so he tried to calm me down for about an hour and a half. And then there was a moment where in my brain, things just like a, it was actually an audible voice just clicked in. And it was like, you know, basically a test. Like if you want world peace, you have to pass this test. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, my ego was like, yep, that's me, you know, sign me up. And from that moment on, I felt like I stepped into a, uh, matrix, uh, almost like a YouTube video where time and space were like speeding up and slowing down. Like it was just hard to explain, but it was like that. And I felt zero control of my body. Wow. Like zero. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. It was like a marionette. Like I was being puppeted, puppeteered by a force that came upon me. And I know how that might sound like, oh, what a good excuse. Like, you didn't do that. So, you know, like that's what I could see how it would sound like that. But if I'm being totally honest, that's exactly what it felt like. I felt like I had no control. And so the... Then a voice said, you have to go to the streets and you have to get someone to take you to the airport and you have to get to New York or Coney's going to win the war. And that's what brought me outside my house and into the streets, clapping naked. I don't know why I was naked. I don't know. (laughs) I think I was just wanting to be free, maybe. Mm -hmm. You know, like the idea that everyone's labeling you or putting things on you. And I was just like, I need to be naked. You just shed it. Yeah, just shed it. Yeah. Like I I said, I, I see how Brittany could shave her head. She's just like, get it away. Like, I'm just, yeah. you know, it's not logical, but mm-hmm. you, if you dis- dissect like how I got there. Yeah. Yeah. And then what, how did you end up not naked? Like you're, you're wearing clothes in my Airbnb right now. Like, <laughs> I am actually. <laughs> Good news for, for, well, I don't, <laughs> don't tell me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like you're always doing. <laughs> I'll do the interview as long as I'm butt naked. Okay, like, you, you can't tell anybody. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm sure. I guess I want We're the live interview. streaming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, what came next? Uh, so it was 
um, 17 days in a hallway uh, with quarantined with a bunch of other people who have lost their minds. In, in, in some sort of asylum? I was handcuffed by police. Brought to their police like center. They put clothes on me. I went to, yeah, like an, an asylum, like a mental health ward for the most extreme people. Gotcha. And so what's really unhealthy about that practice, I hope we can come up with a better one, is that you shouldn't put 20 crazy people in a hallway together. There's no way. There's literally no door. So imagine like you can't get out. Mm. And all I wanted to do was get out and be with my family it was bad. Like you have a cage that you can go in and smoke every hour upon the hour, but that's it. You're like in a cage, like an animal. Um, they tried to get me to take pills. I wouldn't cause I thought they were trying to kill me. And then by day, I think four or five, I started taking 17 pills four times a day. So that, wow. then I was like deep cause I was so wound up. Like imagine like I was a feather that got, you know, flown up to the moon and now I have to float back down to the world. And that takes time. So after 17 days, all these pills, and then I go to another house in Los Angeles that was a lot more healthy. I had my own room, like good food, and that was a month of rehabilitation and like yoga and tons of therapy, group therapy, psychiatrists, psychologists. I had probably seen over 20 different therapists. Wow. Trying to figure out what happened to me. Yeah, because it's... I don't think humans are designed to have that kind of experience. You know, if you look back in history, there's, you know, there's even science that shows that like humans only have the capacity for, you know, a few hundred relationships. Right. And you're like, just like criticism aside, you're communicating with millions and millions of people and millions and millions of people know who you are. Like it's, and I'm the type of person that, when I got a text message from anyone during 2012, I would text them back right away. Mm. And I'm the type of person that if you were to criticize invisible children, I welcome it. Like, please tell us what we're doing wrong. I promise you we'll fix it and I will call you. Yeah. So I would, I would always do that. If anyone was like, I don't like the way you're doing this. I'd be like, Oh, they're kind of right. Like what they're saying is kind of true. So I'd call them and say, thank you. And they'd, so I just wanted to do that. I actually called this guy um, in Canada, a 19-year-old student who had a blog that got millions of views that was criticizing um, invisible children. Mm. He was really the blog that set off all I think I remember that. Cynicism. So I called him. I said, hey, bro, like, I'm right here. You know, if you don't believe in what we're doing, let me offer you something. Because you've had this blog that went viral, let us take you to our programs in Central Africa. We'll show you the FM radio messaging. We'll show you the schools we've built. We'll show you, you know, the handbag, yeah. um, you know, all this stuff. He used that phone conversation to, Ugh. he said, how dare they spend money like that on someone like me? I would never do that. Yeah. I would never spend, you know, $2,000 to go and like see what their programs are doing. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like I tried to reach out to like, wave a right flag and be like, Hey bro, we're not the enemy. I promise. Yeah. And he used it like, so that was a consistent theme of like, whatever I said is going to get switched. In. And, and that's just got to hurt when you're, when you're just trying to help you just trying to do good. And it's, it's just getting flipped again and again. Right. And I think that if you look at the history, invisible children totally messed up. Every organization messes up. Oh, 100%. Like you can look at the UN, you can look at Tom's, you can look at world vision IJM, I don't think it's messed up yet, but, (laughs) (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like we're humans, we're we're doing our best. We're making mistakes, but we're trying. And, uh, 
I think that because of our vibrato or our like, because the propaganda of Coney 2012 was so strong and well done, people didn't know what to make of it because mm-hmm. they're like, this surely can't be a nonprofit. It's too slick. They're using like animation. They're like, you know what I mean? Yeah. They have posters everywhere. Yeah, like, what? Nobody <laughs> was doing that in the world of nonprofits. So yeah, w- when Oprah came um, to interview me after the breakdown, she looked at me during the interview. I don't know if it made it to the interview, but she looked at me and she said, I don't think any other human being experienced the intensity of what you experienced. Wow. Ever in human history. And That's I was Oprah like, saying that. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And she's like, it couldn't have happened before this time and space. Like, and I'm like, but you became famous. Like, but she's like mine was so gradual. It was like, tiered you know and yours was literally hour an Mm. hour like 48 hours or you know whatever and she's like that happens to susan boyle yes and she had a breakdown you know that happens to a few you know chewbacca mom i don't think it's had a breakdown yet but you know what i'm saying like (laughs) yeah it's just if you have that kind of spike if your brain evolutionary like you can't totally yeah man and so what if the last few years been like you know we we talked about this earlier yeah you know did that feel like a failure to you so here's what's interesting if i'm being honest i still had invisible children to go back to and because i'm a three on the enneagram i love the enneagram. i'm an achiever i'm like my ego was still intact the day i got back from six months of rehabilitation the day I got back, I said, it's still 2012. We're doing an event. We're making a movie. Like, it's game on. It's still 2012, people. Let's stop Coney, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, so I felt sad about the breakdown. I was sad I let down Invisible Children, like the team and the supporters. But it wasn't until 2014 when we had to actually transition everyone out except for five people that I started on this like really downward kind of, oh my gosh, this is the end of the story. <laughs> you know, as a storyteller, yeah. I was like, wait, I thought the low point was like the breakdown and that, oh, the low point is like, it didn't work. There was no, there wasn't the resolution, the climax, the final scene that you expected. Yeah. I was like, wait, 12 years, like all of this, everything. And it wasn't just for me. It was like all these young people who thought, wait, we passed a bill. Wait, we did this event. We got the UN. We got the African Union. Wait, wait, you can't stop Coney. We don't want him. You don't have to kill him, but we got to stop him. You know, or. Yeah. So it was the past two years have just been like on the bridge of unknowing. Like, mm. if you, like if we never had a backup plan. Yeah. You can't. Like, yeah, it doesn't apply. <laughs> yeah, we're like, it's all or nothing. Like, we're going for it. And so I went to a Richard Rohr conference um, shortly after the transition with Ben Casey, the CEO. He invited me of Invisible Children. And uh, I met with someone there who was like a kind of a therapist, psychologist, um, healer. And he was saying to me, what was your job? Invisible Children. I said, my job is to be the storyteller, like the filmmaker. And he's like, did you do your job to the best of your ability? Could you have done it any better? And I'm all, no. (laughs) 
And he's like, then could you fathom that your job is done? Like you're done. Mm. Like, well done. Good job. And I was like, whoa. You see, because the end of the story doesn't have to have Jason. You see, that's where my ego or my pride, like, we actually don't need you anymore. Like, thank you. You can go backstage, you know? <laughs> and so I'm like, whoa, that's very freeing. It's hard to, to believe that some, t- some days. But I think it's a more beautiful story for Invisible Children to now be run by five people who started out as interns. Yeah. And now they're the best and the brightest and they're the most amazing. And they're actually crushing it. And Invisible Children is doing amazing, life-saving work. And so, yes, it breaks your heart. But at the same time, you're so proud because it's literally like the people that you train took over and they're thriving. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. And so how are you doing? Like, what are, what's, what does life look like now for you in the totally not invisible children side of things? Yeah. So about two years ago, my wife and I, my family um, launched a Kickstarter campaign for a children's book we'd wanted to write for like 10 years. Amazing. Uh, my wife studied photography and drawing, so she's an amazing artist. Oh, wow. And she was the first art director at Invisible Children, so she helped with a lot of, like, the language, the storytelling, the branding. Probably the poster that I printed out on my yes. printer. That she I got was involved in all of that. Yeah. <laughs> but then when we had kids, like, her first and primary job was to be the mom. And then she'd come in and help with videos and different campaigns. But um, the past two years, we've been working on this children's book called The ABCs of Activism. I love that. Make the world better, letter by letter. (sighs) So every letter is connected to an important word that involves activism, right? So A is for action, B is for boycott, C is for create, D is for defend, E is for explore. So it goes on. And 510 people backed it. And in three weeks... We're giving the book to the, the Kickstarter backers. That's so, be so exciting. I know. Ugh. So the idea is, this is the dream. Because I'm, you know, I always ask people, what's your dream? What's your dream? I've always asked that like, since good. I was a teenager, just to know. Um, so recently, one of my friends said, what's your dream? Like, you could do, like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I want to travel the world with my family. Mm. And, like, actually go to places in the world where activism is a necessity because most people don't want to be activists. They become that because they're oppressed. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So this is like, we want to meet those people. We want to meet those families and be like, is the world as dangerous as we think it is? Like, is it really that bad? Like, let's go to these dark, cynical, sad places and see what joy and life and positivity is there. And really like, I think that if, Every family in the world, big and small ways, was act, were activists, then the entire world would change, right? Like, it would be dramatically different if you felt like, I'm going to take care of the planet. Like, I'm going to help stop bullying. Like, I'm going to speak up for those who are marginalized. Um, in, in, the, in the smallest of ways, like, I love Mother Teresa's um, answer to, how do I help? How do I change the world? And she's like, go love your family. Because that's so true. Even right now in our family, there's not my, my direct family, but in relatives. Yeah. There's disconnect. And it's like, if we all like just started there and then 
then work outside your front door and yeah. then open your city and like, you know, go to what you're drawn to. Totally. That's good. That's exciting. And so you're going to travel, travel the world. world. Yeah. What are, what are some of the spots that you think that you're going to hit up? So the idea is, and this is like off the cuff, we haven't like made any official yeah. uh, arrangements, but the idea is to go to different causes and individuals around the world that we've known and are friends mm. with who are doing insane work and attaching that to one of the letters. That's cool. So it, for example, like, um, Jeremy, who lives in Iraq with preemptive love. I love Jeremy. Right? So Jeremy, like, one of the things they do is, like, give hearts to children, Iraqi children, um, for free, right? So H is for heart in our book. So we're going to attach heart to literally a children's heart. Wow. All these kind of connections we have from International Justice Mission to Charity Water to, you know, Bob Goff and Love Does, we want to say, hey, families, like, if any of these causes move you like buy our book and like support them. And we're going to like have a podcast like yours that right. brings, you know, hope and life to, or just actionable ways. Cause yeah. I think a lot of people are like, I want to do something, but they just don't know what that first step looks like. And we hope that this um, platform gives them a way to step into something bigger. That's brilliant, man. This is so exciting. It is exciting. And the one thing I would say with activism, like, I do think even right now it's a polarizing concept or, or word or idea. Yeah. Most families are like, well, we're not going to go do that in the street. It seems like dangerous or aggressive or hard. Mm -hmm. And so we want to make it like a household thing that you just do it. Yeah. You just show up. Just part of being a family. Yeah. Like these first nation tribes are like literally getting a pipeline that shouldn't go there and Mm -hmm. we should do something about it, you know? Yeah. And so, and I feel like you're the expert on this and this is something I've been thinking about a lot specifically with this pipeline that's going through North Dakota. And like the other day I, I went on Facebook and I checked in at this pipeline. Like there's this thing and it's this beautiful thing that everybody's doing right now where, um, they're checking in and the, the original premise was, all right, police are profiling all of the people who check in at these so that they can, um, stop protesters from protesting essentially. And, um, and so all these people started checking in and then these articles started coming out saying, Hey, that's not true. Like police aren't doing that. And whether the police are doing that or not is maybe a non issue. But the question there, the word that kept on coming up in all these articles was slacktivism. And I know that's something that, uh, was applied to invisible children yeah. followers. We actually, for a long in time. a way, invented it because if you look, <laughs> up, I did this recently because someone was asking me a similar question. If you look it up on Wikipedia, we are the only example. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, and so I was like so excited when uh, when I got criticized for slacktivism earlier this week because I was like, oh, I'm going to talk to Jason in a few days. Yeah, like what? In my mind me checking on Facebook, though I know that my friends who are road tripping out to North Dakota with winter coats and tents and stuff, like I know that they're doing really good work. I feel like by me sharing about that, you know, it got a few friends or family members to Google what's going on. And by me sharing about that, um, it gives maybe another person courage to speak up. Like it's in my mind, sure. It was an easy step, but it, is it doesn't make it non-valuable to do. Right. Like, but, but what, do, what do you think? I think a lot of things. <laughs> I think 
humans have to break this binary way of thinking. Yes. It's like, it's just a click. It's just a like, it's just a view. And I'm like, by the way, we are the quintessential example of slacktivism. It was just a video (laughs) y'all. It was a 29 minute, 59 second video. We loaded on YouTube and Vimeo, right? That's what we did. Cover of time magazine cover of like, do you know how much leverage the African union Mm-hmm. The United Nations, the White House was speaking about it within days because of a YouTube video. So you can criticize slacktivism all you want. But the core thing that I learned, which is so valuable during this intense season of 2012, was those comments, those articles are not about me. Those things are about the person writing it. Mm. That is how they view the world. And unfortunately, millions of people are cynics. Mm -hmm. But cynics, and this is Stephen Colbert I'm quoting, cynics masquerade, cynicism is masquerading as wisdom, but it's a self-imposed blindness. Wow. Because it gives you permission to not do anything. Wow. So people are sitting around saying, I think deep down, I wish I could. But what I'm going to decide to do is criticize the people who are trying to do something. And I'll tell them, if I had the balls to get off my couch and do something, I would do it this way instead of the way you're doing it. Yeah. And I just want to hold up a mirror and be like, what are you doing? Yeah. And they're like, nothing, because if I do anything, then it will be criticized. You see, so it's easier for them to yeah. hide in the shadows as, a, as an academic or a cynic or someone mm-hmm. who knows better. Yeah. And so I think we just need a lot more like grace and a lot more like, hey, bro, like, have you thought about it this way? Because, you know, the one for one model has a few flaws in it. I don't know if you thought about that, you know? Yeah. But like, Blake, you're amazing. Like, you're doing great stuff. Like, we love you. It's just... You know, and I, I think that goes all the way up the chain to like even Coney, like, hey, Joseph Coney, like, you're my brother, like, we live on this planet together, like, I don't know if you know this, but you're doing it wrong. Like, you should, like, you're making poor choices, you know? And I think that's okay to like really be like as simple as that. Like, mm-hmm. you're just not, you're not doing it the way I would do it, but like, it's all love. It's all gonna be okay. Like, it's all gonna be good. Um, so, I want to say one more thing about clickers. You can cut absolutely, out, but no, this is fantastic. But the click and the like is the beginning to something. Mm. That's how I see it. It's at the beginning of a journey, right? So it's like you start that. That's the key to the door of a room. That's a mansion that you can explore. Yeah. When it comes to doing something, but don't criticize the key. Like it's literally a good thing that people are posting and liking. Yeah. You know, it's a great step. It should be celebrated. You know, social media is just like money. It's a tool. It's agnostic. It has no moral compass. We are the ones who get to navigate what stories are being lifted up Mm -hmm. and which stories are being suppressed. And um, so I'm all down for for clicktivism and slacktivism as long as you keep going. Yeah. (laughs) You can't stop right there. It's just a step in the right direction. Right. And for so many people, millions of people, that's all they can do. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, we created Invisible Children. We would always have like 10 tiers of every campaign we did. 
the a most extreme tier is going to be marching in the streets and then becoming an intern at Invisible Children. But tier one and two are just sharing. Because look, you, you're busy, you don't have this, do this. That's cool. We're not going to hate you because you just shared it. That's okay. Mm. Go go about it in your own way. But um, yeah. Man. I that's, said too much. No, that is beautiful. I love this. I Man, you're the expert on this. <laughs> I don't know. I It wasn't by choice. <laughs> no. It was, it was the, put upon. That's me. the best and worst part. <laughs> yeah, it's, I just, it's so cool though. You do, you've had a unique perspective on this because you've done something. And when you do something that you, you have a unique perspective on this because you've done something that matters. And when you do things that matter, you get criticism. Yeah. And, and I think it's, I don't know. I, I just so excited. It comes with the territory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is the perfect time to transition into the part of the show where every single show I ask, three questions that I love. And the first question is this, how would you describe the kind of person that you most admire in the world? I would describe the person I most admire with a deep conviction. So someone who is unwavering in terms Mm. of, um, that they would die for what they believe in. And so the first person that comes to mind is the founder of International Justice Mission, Gary Haugen. Yes. That person, Gary Haugen, is who he says he is at home with his staff in the field. But this person who I'm trying to become is humble, right? That Mm. I have a heart. I mean, I want to be humble like like when I see humble, I do see mother Teresa. I see her picking up lepers. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you imagine? Yeah. That's putting somebody else before yourself to the extreme. Like they're like, how did you start? And she said, I saw the most lonely, deprived, sick person on the street. And I picked him up and Mm -hmm. I brought him to be helped and healed. Then what did you do? Then I went and got the next one. This is literally her And she's not using like antibacterial hand sanitizer. She's like picking up almost dead people. Yeah. So that kind of humility lights the world on fire. But do we have the courage to love like that? Yeah. So that comes to mind. I love the, the vision and the dreaming of like Walt Disney. Yeah. You know, like where is he's just literally built a magical kingdom. Like, are you insane? Yeah. Like he saw that in his brain and now all of this incredible thing manifested from an imagination. Like when you walk around, I sometimes just start crying at Disney because I'm like, I can't believe they're doing this. <laughs> you know, it's so, it's so cool. Um, so, um, I love, um, I love Oprah's warmth. Mm-hmm. She had a horrible upbringing, horrible childhood, really dark, sad, but that made her this wise, intelligent, warm, caring inspiration. Absolutely. Um, that's inspired millions of people. It's incredible. So those are some of the, and then the adventures of Dan Eldon, like keeping that youthful, fun, exciting um, way he saw the world. Yeah. That's important to me. That's incredible. Yeah. Man. Question number two, what are you consuming that you love right now? So this is my favorite question because... My strengths finders, number one and two are input and learner. Mm. So I'm constantly inputting. I love it. Yeah. And um, 
So right now I'm obsessed with a few things. Um, let's start with books. So Perfect. this book called Sapiens, which Sapiens. Sapiens, it's like the chronology of the human being. Like it is mind blowing. It's wow. so good. Is it like a textbook? Yeah. It's look, it's like a textbook, like a totally like college based textbook, but it's like, he breaks it down so succinctly and powerfully that you're like, wow, like America's not real. Hmm. It's just an idea. It's just something we all believe in. And because yeah. we believe in it, it becomes real. It's fascinating. So stuff like that. I love that. But I also have been loving like Science Mike's book, um, God in the Waves. It's really powerful, super good, and and kind of an easy read for like a science book. Um, And I'm reading um, Richard Rohr's new book, The Divine Dance. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, Okay. TVs, movies, um, Black Mirror. Have you started it? I have been nervous to start it. It's very scary. <laughs> it is so scary. It's super ed- it's edgy for sure. Don't watch it with children. But um and it'll it'll upset you a little bit. But um episode one, season three. I saw you tweet that, oh and that's gosh. actually what got me thinking I should <sighs> probably do this. It is it I don't know. The people who are making it are so smart. Mm. You're just like it, they call it the Twilight Zone for like the tech future. It's amazing. Wow. Um the best movie I've seen in the last couple of years is Birdman. I think about it all the time Man, still. I have not seen Birdman. I saw it three times in the theater. I never see a movie twice. Man. I saw it three times in the theater. I took notes. I like read the book it's based on. I'm obsessed with the director, the writers. I think it's the most powerful film in the last 10 years. Wow. I love it. I want to teach a class on just that movie. Incredible. Yeah. So you have to watch that. Um, and then, yeah, those are kind of the things I'm, I'm hyping on. Right now. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's a fantastic list. Okay. That gets me excited. Because oh, and podcasts. Yes. Like, I'm literally obsessed with podcasts. So, That's like, good. my go-tos are, like, Krista Tippett on Being. She's amazing. She's insane. She's yeah. so great. Um, but my new ones are the Gimlet stuff from Reply All. Reply All is the <gasps> podcast that I enjoy more than any other podcast. I, like, when there's a new one, I'm like, yes. Um, they're so smart and their stories are so good, but they feel like just our friends. Yeah, man. I'm going to start texting you when I listen to new And then Heavyweight's a new one. Have you checked that out? I haven't checked it out Check yet. it out. It's really good yeah. They just launched their whole new arsenal I'm a so, few days ago, right? I mean, podcasts are my jam. Like, because you can do it at leisure and also it's like your brain gets to go into yeah. imaginative places that, you know, mm-hmm. it's really cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Question number three. Based on the ways you've chosen to step out and live differently in your own life, Mm -hmm. what's kind of an action step that somebody could take today? A practical step towards being who they are more fully? Yeah, I think that's just such a great question. I mean, that is like the question in terms of like human existence. Oh, yeah. So what what I like to do is I tell people, What's the thing that you think about when you lay your head on the pillow at night? Hmm. And you're like, I really wish I was doing that. That's the thing you should be doing. It's the thing that makes you feel most yourself and most at home when you're doing it. Hmm. It's the thing that when you're doing it, you feel like you're in the flow and like the world fades away and you're just in your happy place. Like I love that quote where it's, don't ask yourself what the world needs. 
ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is for people to come alive. Most people are sleepwalking. Let's be honest. Like if you look around, most people are just in the machine of life, but they haven't questioned the miracle and phenomenon of their existence. Mm. Like we're breathing crazy beings, right? That are like on a ball in the middle of an infinite existence. Yeah. We have a century here if we're lucky. <laughs> exactly. And then when you take it into the cosmic realm of time, yeah. we get a breath here. If that hmm. like nothing. So go do it. What yeah. are you scared of? Like go do it. You will fail. Who cares? Go back and do it again. And that's what I'm trying to learn. Cause I've, I've talked about that for so many years and then it happened to me. We're like, okay, like in a sense I failed. Like I tried really hard. It hurt so bad. I'm still kind of mourning the wounds, but I'm going to get back out there. Mm. And again, cause I do believe that the world's going to change. And I believe that the next 10 years are going to blow our minds. I'm so excited. Like, blow our minds. I cannot uh, wait. And that's the cool thing about like the people listening to this right now. They're the dopest people. Like yeah. I love the listeners of the show. I, you know, and it's, it's the same with, with your audience too. There's, there is this community of people out there who are the optimists and not the cynics. Right. They are the world changers and not the sleepwalkers. Right. And they are, we are the next 10 years. You know, we get to decide what this is and people like, we're going to make it happen. Totally. And I believe so much in that. And I believe in your voice and your platform and your podcast, because it's all about that. What if you, what if in 10 years from now, you go to the New York Times and you read the articles and they're literally hopeful and positive and powerful. Mm. Do they have the truth of war? Do they have the truth of pain? Yes. But we're all about doing what we can to not just report it, but to have a way for you to step into the narrative, to, for you to participate. Yeah. What if all news outlets were like that? And we're like, here's what we're going to do about the refugees. Like, it's happening. Yeah. They're like, okay, you read about it. Yeah. Now we're all doing right. this thing. Like, you go to church and they're like, okay, we're going to pray and sing. And then we're all going to get about the work of stopping homelessness. Like, giving these people's homes and adopting foster care children. Like, that's what we're doing. We're called the church. Like, I don't know if you've heard of us. You know? <laughs> like, it would be such a different world. And we're going to do it because the boomers did a few things right in the sense that they gave their children trophies mm-hmm. and said you're special and they were right we are special we are we're the most educated generation ever to exist what are we going to do with the power of that education it comes great responsibility so it's a beautiful future what are my children going to inherit the most insane planet mm-hmm. it's going to be so great what are their children going to inherit like it's going to keep getting yeah more beautiful absolutely it has to because Justice will win. It just takes time sometimes. I'm impatient. (laughs) I think this is a perfect place to end. Goodness gracious, Jason Russell. It has been so wonderful talking with you, hearing your story and your wisdom. And we're going to have to do this so many more times. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I mean, I'd love to come back in a year or two before or during the travel of the world. Maybe yeah. we can meet up somewhere. Oh, we'll have Wouldn't to. Wouldn't that be amazing? That'd be so good. Like, we're like, we're in Somalia. <laughs> Man. Man. If people want to follow along with your trip and yeah. just your, your words and your wisdom and your ideas, where can they do that? 
Probably the easiest right now is just go to Jason Radical on Instagram. Perfect. Because I'll probably be posting stuff from there and I'll drop like the website. We're making the website for ABCs of Activism right now and all of that. So yeah, just follow me on Instagram and then um, comment, say hi. My email is jason at broomstickengine.com, which is a new creative agency I've been... um, I spun up to help people tell their stories because you're an expert at it. Well, I don't know. I'm still learning. That's like the best part is like, I don't feel like I know that much. And then people like me like, tell us like your expertise. And, like, <laughs> and then I start like ranting. And I'm like, Oh, I do know some things. <laughs> That's the best. That's yeah. the best. Man. So thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I love it. Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey is part of the Gradient Podcast Network and is created in collaboration between me, Brandon Harvey, and Gradient. Thank you so much to each and every one of you who tuned into the podcast this week. If you want to help support the show, it would really mean a lot if you went to iTunes and left a review. It really helps people find the show, and it's just kind of fun to read what you guys are saying. You can connect with me online and get updates about the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat at at Brandon Harvey. It's a little bit tricky. It's spelled with an E-N, Brandon with an E-N. And this week and every week, you can find the show notes for this week's episode of Sounds Good at brandonharvey.com slash podcast. It's brandonharvey.com slash podcast. And with that, that's a wrap for this week's podcast. I'll see you online and I'll talk to you next week when we get the opportunity to learn from another inspiring person. Sound good?